This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> hey, Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Ennis Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth... Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's to Dennis, and I'm Anna Scanter, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are a part of DailyThunder.com, also Almighty Baller Radio. With me, it's Hot Ham Wednesday, and I've got the Hot Ham Man, John Ham, on the line. John Ham, what's up? What is up with you? It feels like it's been a long time since we've talked. Last time it I has. talked to you, it was at like stupid o'clock in the morning and i was at a hotel so <laughs> that's right that's right you you were out of state the last time and so yeah finally able to link back up that's yes. always that's a good thing in my book yes feels it feels right um yeah. you have any thoughts on the schedule any i talked with um i talked with fred yesterday on his show about the schedule and i'm sure we'll talk about it on friday too but you have any thoughts on the uh the thunder schedule as it came out um you know, mostly that obviously the Thunder is still one of the most um, – still one of the teams that the NBA wants to showcase. I think that's always a good thing. Yeah. Um, they are tied for third in terms of national TV appearances. Uh, my cohort, Jerry, and I – who? why did you have him on your podcast? What were <laughs> – jeez, I, I thought I warned you about he that. Wore, he wore me down. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And then he took Dennis Schroeder fourth. Which is great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, like, you know, I'm sitting there, like, you draft Otto Porter, and I'm like, Victor Oladipo? I know. I totally forgot about Victor Oladipo. <laughs> I just, like, re- erased him from my memory. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> That's good times. So, um, something about Jerry. See, I, Jerry is just so forgettable. Uh, I, I was getting ready to say something, and, and I've already lost it. Uh, uh, schedule. Yeah, so I, we we got together and talked about it some the other night. Oh, yeah, my point was I don't count NBA TV um, as national broadcast. Right. Jerry yeah. disagrees with me vehemently. I I don't have NBA TV, so I can't. I don't either. And I can't watch those games. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's not a national. It's to me, because it's NBA TV picks the broadcast of one of the local, whether it's Fox Sports Oklahoma or Fox Sports Ohio or whoever's yeah. doing it. And it's not a national crew. And that's right. where I like the national I, – I love watching the national feeds because obviously a lot of people you know, uh, understand there's a lot of homerism uh, that comes from the Thunder broadcast. I like sure. you know, people that – I like fresh views on the team. So yeah. anyway, uh, side tangent there. But yeah, the Thunder are on national TV a bunch. They're probably going to be flexed in more towards the end of the season if everything goes well. Um, I think it's great they've gotten rid of four and five night games or mm-hmm. four and five night scenarios and five and sevens. Um, I really like how the the schedule will have some room to breathe, and then the NBA is also going to label these like by week. Like this is week four of the NBA season, and you know to really kind of highlight some games. I mean, it, it gets people thinking like much like they think about their favorite television shows. Sure, you know this is season two, episode four. Um, you know, I, I think they're kind of tapping into that, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, 
No, I think I think they're doing good things. They're moving in the right direction. Eventually, I think eliminating back to backs. I don't know if that's an, like a realistic thing. They'll have to make the schedule even longer. But I think that will be a better product for everybody if they can do that. Because the Thunder have some like true road back to backs where they're on the road into vastly different ci- different cities. And like those are tough games. Those are tough games to win, even when you have Paul George and Russell Westbrook. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Although one of the back to backs I really like is they play the Lakers one night in Los Angeles and then play the Clippers the next night yes. in Los Angeles. So um, yeah, that's perfect. And and there's ways you can do that too with other teams. If you come in and play Oklahoma City and then go to Dallas and play sure. the next night, mm-hmm. that's a lot more you know manageable. Um, so. You know, and, and you know, one of the conversations I remember I had with Desmond Mason on our pregame show was he said the back-to-backs never really seem to bother the players. You're, you're a little sore the next day, but you're not, like, wiped out. Yeah. Um, so I think the back-to-backs is probably okay, especially if they're kind of spaced out here and there. But there was a definite issue with, like, four games and five nights that, like, there was an article, um, I guess Larry Bird brought that to the attention of the league. Mm-hmm. It was like, look, players get anxious – about these games coming up and so they don't perform well and then they're wiped out and then then it impacts them after the fact so that's where he was you know kind of lending some insight there and i'm glad the league you know uh jumped in and and helped take care of that yes without a doubt i think yeah it's going to be it'll be a better product overall this season yeah i think so I'd like to thank Anchor Down for sponsoring today's show. You can follow them on social media at Anchor Down OKC, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They're a great follow. You can see all their activities they've got. You can see all their really great food they've got. Uh, it's super nice outside today. I'm looking out my window right now. Beautiful day in OKC. Beautiful night for you to go check out Anchor Down's patio. Uh, it's just a cool spot. If you want to feel cool, Go to Anchor Down because it's just a cool spot in Oklahoma City, down in Deep Deuce off 2nd Street. Uh, cool place. They've got a great beer selection. Get yourself some pizza tots. Uh, go check out any of their corn dogs. Obviously, that's kind of what they're known for is their corn dogs. They've also got a great burger. And, of course, that salad. Ooh, that salad. It's so good. Uh, go grab yourself a salad and a beer. Hang out on that patio. Feel cool. Look cool at Anchor Down. Let's let's do some TQs, John. All right. Uh, this is from at Kobe Juan Ginobili. He said, I haven't heard the top five power rankings drop in a while. So, top five Stephen Adams moments thus far. Top five power rankings. Boo, 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 boo. Top five power rankings. Boo, 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 boo. Top five power rankings. Down to the podcast of the power rankings. I should I should have put more thought into this in advance. Um, I've got a list. Okay, let's let's do that and and, and I'll pipe up. Yeah, pipe um, up. Yeah, uh, and then let me know if I miss anything. Uh, number five is anything that he's done off the court within his canner has been uh, just an incredible <laughs> moment. The videos he made, yep. uh, the intro to the podcast that you just yes. heard was just an incredible moment. Not only for me but for Stephen Adams. Um, just incredible. He's mm-hmm. they're just so fun. They're they're both really smart individuals and both really funny guys, and uh, it's a great combination. I like it. Number four, Game Four Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. The baseball pass that he threw, <laughs> yes, 
to Andre Robertson. Yes. Uh, was just incredible. I mean, if you go rewatch it, go YouTube this because he, he holds the ball like a dodgeball basically mm-hmm. and just throw, just chucks it at Dre and he gets a wide open, uh, I can't remember if it was a layup or a dunk. I think it was a dunk and just incredible. It just kind of shows like the vision and the timing that he's got. Uh, I'm hoping to see more of his passing this year, but that pass like sticks out to me as one of his best. That uh, is one that I was going to bring up in the top five. So yes. there you go. Uh, number three, uh, his dunk on Hassan Whiteside, where he basically rides him like a horse after <laughs> he was, dunks yep. the ball. <laughs> that was another one I was going to bring up. Yep. Uh, number two. So this was, I think 2014, Against the Clippers in Game Five, he there. So there was a there were two plays and they're back to back. Blake Griffin's guarding him. He basically treats him like a non-offensive player, and he takes one dribble to the rim and dunks it. Goes down to the other end. Matt Barnes is coming to the rim, and he just blocks his shot out of bounds. And it okay. all happens within about a ten-second span. And that was like a part of like whoa like. Stephen Stephen is like a real NBA player. Yeah, uh, is one of his like biggest moments, and it was like that crazy game five uh, where they had the the comeback within like the last thirty seconds or whatever. Um, but two just amazing plays that kind of stick out in my mind with Stephen. And then number one, even though this was a game that will just live in infamy, game six of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, two seasons ago against the Warriors. Draymond Green had kicked him in the nuts twice, <laughs> and he just smashed Draymond Green. I think it was mm-hmm. in the first or I think it was the second quarter um, of that game. Yeah. And it was just, it was a great cathartic moment for everyone um, until uh, Clay Thompson happened. Um, but uh, yeah, those are my those are my top five Stephen Adams moments so far. There's, there's one that is a glaring omission. Okay. And that is Stephen Adams single-handedly breaking up a three-on-one Spurs break and saving the ball game. Um, yes, yes, that is true. When that that was uh, that was the Western Conference semis. Yeah, it's the semis before that before that Warrior series. Yeah, that was in San Antonio, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, it was like yeah. a game sealer. Um, so yeah, single-handedly, yeah, uh, broke up a, a three-on-one break where he what what he chased down was it Danny Green in the corner and cut that off and then yes, that's another one we have to YouTube. But I mean that that's another uh, another play of his that immediately comes to mind. Yeah, I also think about there was a game at home. I think it was last season, the season before against Memphis, where he chased down Mike Conley. Mike Conley blows a layup. They get it off. They get an offensive rebound, and then he's one on one with Mike Conley, and Mike can't do anything against him. Mm-hmm. And that just shows it. One of those. It's one of those moments where it shows that like a lot of people think, oh, the big man's dead. Like you can't play a center anymore. You can't play a center thirty minutes. Well, if your center can guard a point guard, like you can play him thirty minutes. Yeah. And Stephen is just one of those rare guys that does have the quickness and he's got the smarts to stay on the court for 30 minutes a game, um, even in this league, because he can be such a great defender and really he's going to contribute on offense. So yeah, good times. I like that list. Yeah. Um, okay. This is from at Austin S ten twenty seven factor fiction. The Thunder need to avoid giving Westbrook a no trade clause at all costs. Um, I would, 
Um, and I'm going historically here. I mean, there have been guys like Tim Duncan had a no trade clause. Yeah. And in some respects, maybe you could say that Westbrook would kind of fall under that category. I mean, you know, because guys that have had it like Kobe Bryant use it as a hammer over the organization's head. Right. Or as we see with Carmelo Anthony right now, it seems like one of those, well, duh, you know, sort of things that you would put into a contract like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's something that could potentially hold an organization hostage. Yeah. So you, you just don't want to have to deal with it. I mean, it it most likely won't be a problem, but it could be. Mm-hmm. Like, like Westbrook could fall off a cliff, you know, athletically, and then still want to take a hundred shots. And the Thunder, are like, man, we got to move on from you. And he's like, well, too bad because you need to send me to these three destinations. And then <laughs> it's like, well, there's nothing that we can get from these guys because we have no leverage. And you just don't want that. Like, you just want to. Yeah. I don't know. And there's not a lot of no trade clauses that are handed out and Westbrook would definitely be one that, you know, should ask for it and would qualify to get one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, I, I agree that I just don't, you just don't want to have to do it because it's, it's not a problem today and it's not going to be a problem the season after, but it will, it, it could be a big problem for OKC. And just a few points on that. So in order to get a no trade clause, Russ would have to, sign a brand new contract in other words not sign the not sign this extension he could only get a no trade clause if he played this contract out and signed a new contract with oklahoma city so Um, that could be another reason maybe he wants one like it's totally possible that he would want to negotiate that in right and that's um that's something like i chatted with eric horn about when we were like trying to figure out what you know what reasons he might have for for not signing this that would be one mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean think about this stuff that goes into a contract if you're talking about like a player option if you're talking about a trade kicker if you're talking about a no trade clause i mean those are negotiable things where you know the team may say okay well we'll give you that option but in exchange we need you know uh we need you to take five percent less on your contract for example so mm-hmm. Um, those are things that aren't necessarily just where, where you shove the whole kitchen sink you know, to the center of the table and say, right. just take it. I mean, you yeah. you should negotiate these things. Yes. And Sam Presti, uh, I can guarantee you, does not want to give him a no-trade clause. Yeah. I mean, again, it's uh, it, it worked out fine in other cases. Uh, who else? You know, Kevin Garnett had one. Mm-hmm. Um that, you know, again, in order for that mega deal to go down with Brooklyn, they had to go, you know, had to go convince Garnett to agree to the deal. It just really complicates things. Um, Did Devin George have one? Somebody in that Mavs trade had one, right? So what happens? I mean, there are like explicit, like no trade clauses that are written into the contract if you meet that criteria. There are other instances where a player technically has a no trade clause. Um, so... And it's situations like if a player, if a player re-signs and he's on a one-year contract, mm-hmm. and you'll have bird rights at the end of the year, he's he's he can't be traded. Yeah. Um, if a play, if a rookie takes the qualifying offer, that fifth-year offer, yeah, he can't be traded without his permission yeah. because he would surrender his bird rights. Yeah, like Greg Monroe, a few years. Greg ago. Monroe, exactly. Mm-hmm. So Devin George, you know that situation was. I think what it was is that he had a he was in the first year of a two year deal. The second year was a player option. Mm-hmm. So in order for the deal to go through, he would have had to have picked up that option. Yeah, 
but he wasn't willing to do that. And so therefore he wasn't trade eligible unless he would have picked up that option. So there's some of those squirrely, like no trade um, scenarios that come into place too. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from at Jake Giffen. Uh, who will improve the most during the season and how come? <laughs> Abrinas, Adams, or Grant? Uh, you know, I think obviously we're all really high on Abrinas and we think just, you know, um, just on the growth curve, he should be better next season because mm-hmm. it'll be his second year in the league. Adams should probably be better not only because you know, he's going to become a better player, hopefully, but because he'll have more room to operate. Um, Grant, if, if they find a specific, you know, maybe they've kind of found a role that kind of works for him and, and he really clicks in that regard. But if we're talking about like actual like improvement, like statistical jumps from one season to the next, I think it's going to be a Brinus. Yeah, I think that's the easy, easy answer. I also think, I mean, Steven Adams is still so young. I just think he that is. playing with these better players and giving a more defined role is going to help him. Um, and I think that he, maybe he won't like actually improve all that much, but I think just the circumstances are going to be so much better for him mm-hmm. that he will appear to have improved a ton. Right. Yeah. I mean, he could, you know, like if you go and look at DeAndre Jordan the past few years, I, I keep like drawing comparisons between him and Jordan, but you know, Jordan's a 10 point, 11 point, you know, 12 point per game scorer. Obviously he rebounds a ton. Yeah. And that's where I think Adams could potentially, you know, really quote unquote improve. Sure. Is if he quits giving up rebounds to Russ and starts snagging them himself. (laughs) And maybe that'll happen next season. Um, But yeah. And then too, you know, so many times last season, like, you know, Russ would, would penetrate, try to dish it to Adams, there's 10 arms in the paint because no one is guarding on the perimeter. Um, and Adams, you know, like would fumble the pass or whatever, because I mean, again, there's just no room to operate. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, I think in a sense that's being held against him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he showed more offensive moves last season than we've seen before. And, you know, we, we, we've seen more out of him. Um, and so I, yeah, I I do expect that some of the changes they make, it, it should make Adams, you know, look uh, look a lot more comfortable, if nothing else, and you know, and then make him a quote unquote better player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is from at K three underscore H G A. Kind of a similar question, but do you think that Abrinas uh, could be considered the sixth man for the Thunder? And then also, do we think that Grant makes a bigger impact? I mean, I, I think the, you know, the sixth man, as it were, is still going to be in his canter as long as he's here. Yeah. There's always a chance that changes. And then sure. I mean, if Abrinas is the, you know, sharpshooter off the bench, then he becomes the quote unquote sixth man. But I think that designation is basically canters as long as he's here. Mm-hmm. I, I do see a scenario where we get to the end of the season and Abrinas averages more minutes than canter. Yeah, I, that's definitely possible. He could be playing in the in the low twenties, you know, twenty two or twenty three, and you know, Cantor's getting nineteen. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's definitely. I, I almost think that that's more probable, um, just because I think there's going to be more minutes available. Because the Thunder obviously want to. I mean, Stephen Adams is coming into his new deal mm-hmm. this next year, and is a much better player than Cantor, and is helpful on both ends. I think they're going to want to get him on the court as much as possible. They want to play Patrick Patterson a lot. Like I just don't see any, hardly any minutes at the four for Canner. 
And then I think it's going to be tough because like, yeah, if, if Patterson and Grant are getting, you know, in, in the low twenties, that's pretty much going to soak up most of the minutes. And then you figure some small lineups and yeah. And if they're going to play McDermott at all, they talk right. about him at the four. Then there's mm-hmm. absolutely no minutes for Kanner at the four. And then when does he play? I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be interesting because I just, I mean, everybody has talked about over the past couple of years, you just can't have, you know, these two good centers on your team whenever you basically, teams are only playing one center, really. And it, I still think there's a, a place in the league for Kanner. It's just hard to say that it's with the Thunder long term, uh, just because I just don't know where the minutes are. Because like the the lineups with Adams and Canner, although the numbers really like those lineups, I just don't see. There's just not a lot of teams that they can use that against, or they, that they even will use that against. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's also possible, like that Jeremy Grant. You know, maybe his minutes get cut this next season, and he's not—he's not a twenty twenty minute per night guy. He's actually closer to fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's there's that possibility, and then if yeah. Cantor actually does develop a reliable three point game, maybe that does open up some opportunities. Probably not against every team in the league, but you know, against a lot of teams, I could see where that could cause some matchup issues. Yeah, yeah, you're right. If if the three point shot is something that he will incorporate into his game, and he's good at it then that will open things up for him. If he's the sure. same minute scanner from last season, he could have even a more of a reduction in his minutes. And something you touched on, Grant, I think that something that we need to talk about is we look at these young guys and we just assume that they're going to get better just mm-hmm. because they're young. And that's not always the case. And so right. there's, there's a possibility that Jeremy Grant comes back and, uh-oh, Jeremy Grant shoots 25% from three. Yeah, and uh, we can't play him because he can. He's bricking everything, and he's really not. He's a better defender in thought than in real life. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a chance that he's not the guy that we think he is. Um, not. I'm not saying that that's what I think. I think that's where he's headed, and he's not going. He's going to be out of the league. I don't think that, but it's a possibility with with sure. Him. So I think he's kind of a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy. Um, so I, I think, I don't know. We'll see. Well, yeah. I mean, again, the, the additions of George and Patterson, you know, they could have an impact on Grant and how they use him. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, maybe they find that, you know, they find lineups that work a lot better, uh, as opposed to having Grant on the floor. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that we're kind of going over right now and kind of making certain assumptions. You're right. We could get to the season and Doug McDermott could not play. You know, Alex Abrinas could stagnate. Um, You know, there's a number of things that we're thinking are going to happen and they're generally all positive. That's kind of how we think. But I mean, there's, it's almost guaranteed that something, you know, we're going to get into the season and oh my gosh, DJ Augustine really can't play with the second unit. You know, that sort of thing is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next question comes from Brent underscore Mashia. What's the perfect number of three-point shots you'd want Westbrook to take in a game? I think two. I think two is a good number. Um, okay, I'm being facetious. Um, <laughs> he jumped from like from about 4.3 a game to seven, over seven a game last season. Yep. Seven is two. Yeah. Seven is way too many. And I'm not gonna hold that against him a whole lot. Um, I mean his percentage did go up to a you know, 
to almost league average. Um, and I think a lot of times, I think just, you know, at some point you're just going to come down and start shooting threes because I literally can't get into the paint right now. I'm winded. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I think if Russ could pull that back down to four or five, that would be ideal. Yeah. I expect it to look more like it did when Durant was here around the, you know, 4.3 up to around five. Yeah. And I think that's good. Like ever, some people are like, Oh, he should never take threes. Uh, I'm sorry, but you can't play a point guard that doesn't take threes. Like you just can't. Like, those guys are not surviving in this league. Rajon Rondo partially fell off a cliff because of injuries, but also fell off a cliff because he wasn't keeping up with the times. Like, if you're a guy that doesn't shoot threes, you don't matter. And I know that he's hit a respectable percentage over the past few years, but people still treat him like he doesn't shoot threes. Mm -hmm. Um, Ricky Rubio is a guy that people thought could be a star, uh, but the dude can't shoot. Yeah. Um, and Westbrook, I know he's a 31 per, you know, 31% career three-point shooter, but he's got to keep taking them. Like, he just does uh, because he's he's a high-impact player, and if people have to guard him all over the court, that makes a difference. And uh, Michele Barra made the point on Fred's podcast a few weeks ago that his balance and his the compactness of his shot is so much better uh, that maybe he is going to be a better shooter from mm-hmm. now on because if you go back and watch russell westbrook in previous years the dude was absolutely out of control and his <laughs> body is out of control and he's just not like that anymore so yeah. he he might benefit from playing with better players and having you know players actually have gravity with him and he hits open three-point shots i think he was like 36 or 37 percent on open three-point shots and if he will set screens and spot up and stuff like that, I think it will help the Thunder offense. Yep, I agree. Next question is from, hold on, I'm trying to find this one, uh, at Kurt underscore Leftwich. He gives us a trade scenario. Oklahoma City gets Dwayne Wade. Chicago gets Michael Kidd Gilchrist and a lottery protected first from Charlotte plus fillers. And Charlotte gets Canner and the Chicago second rounder from OKC. What are your thoughts? So basically, uh, I, I think Kurt is doing what, <clears throat> um, you know, what I've talked about, looking at guys that, okay, are, are there players out there that you could probably get that, you know, maybe they were an all-NBA guy a couple of years ago or an all-star a couple of years ago, and they, and they might be acquirable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Kurt's kind of doing the same thing. Um I, I I don't see this coming together. I I really don't see Wade as a guy that the Thunder would uh, would pursue. I, I think they would prefer to hold on to those trade chips and wait for you know potentially another deal to come along because you know Dwayne Wade's thirty five. Yeah, and I, I do think if he were willing to come in and come off the bench, um, you know maybe there's something that could work there. But I, to me, I would rather see the Thunder. I think they would be better with Cantor than they would be with Dwayne Wade. That's very odd for me to say. Incredibly weird. That doesn't feel like something that should have came out of my mouth, but it just did. Um, I think they would be better and then better holding and and waiting to see if if a better deal doesn't come along. Yeah, and I guess the counter would be, what if Raymond Felton's not good? Sure. And then you basically bring in Wade to run your second unit. And is Dwayne Wade... Dwayne Wade going to come to Oklahoma City 
to run the second unit. Like that's like those are so many sentences that I just don't believe. You know? Yeah, yeah. It it, it seems pretty far fetched. But I mean, yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've you know I kind of kicked around that idea at at one point when I was looking at other guys across the league. Um, and yeah, it, it would require. Yeah, Dwayne Wade has got you know the Bulls could train him wherever. He has really right. no say in this. Right. Um, but yeah, then I, I really think for him to go. If he went to a contender right now, I believe he'd have to come off the bench, whether he gets waived and goes to Cleveland, mm-hmm. um, you know, no matter, you know, or if he went to Houston, obviously he'd be coming off the bench at that point. Um, it, it kind of feels like that that is the next part of his career where he's going to be going. So, I mean, if you were willing to do that in Oklahoma City, I mean, I, maybe it could come together. But here's the other thing, too, is, I mean, we've been we've been talking about Alex Sabrinas. I mean, Wade would require some of those minutes. Yeah, he would. Yeah, so, and it just doesn't feel like a thundery move, but there have been some things happening recently that aren't thundery moves either. That's right. That's so right. It's yep. it's hard to it's hard to say. Yeah, I, I think again, I, I would I would prefer to see them hang on to Cantor for uh, potentially you know other deals that could be out there rather than you know throw those at Dwayne Wade, who's probably going to be not in the NBA in a couple of years. Yes. Uh, from at Jim underscore Thomas underscore. Since it's the off season, does anybody know if we traded Ray Allen for Jeff Green or we just trade for the pick? <laughs> I mean, it's it's semantics. Um, yeah. So essentially, I mean, when the trade was announced, the pick had already been made. But um, you know, you uh, there's been a lot of stories written on on how some of these deals are done. Where probably in this scenario, you know, Presti was in Seattle at the time, probably went to Boston and said kind of arranged the trade and said, okay, if the guy we want is there at five, we'll do the deal. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, Jeff Green was available, then they agreed to do it. So it's it's kind of semantics. Um, uh, in other words, they probably would not have done that. I don't know this for sure, but they probably wouldn't have done it if Jeff Green was off the board. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that, that goes for um, most of these draft night trades. It's like they've been communicating back and forth. Oh, Boston really wants Ray Allen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, it's usually you make the pick for us and then we'll do it later. It's it's not typically a oh, well Boston just got Jeff Green. Let's see if they'll let's see if they'll do Ray Allen. Um it's usually <laughs> right. it's usually something that's taken care of behind the scenes and then maybe looks like that toward the end. Yeah, and I mean, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Presti would have done that deal regardless, just to get the number five pick, um, or maybe there would have been another deal lined up. You know, if if Jeff Green was off the board, and you know he wasn't interested in whoever slid off, or I mean, you look at the guys after that. Yi Jian Leon was the next pick. <laughs> yeah, uh, Corey Brewer, Brandon Wright. I don't think Joakim Noah was ever a possibility for the for the then Sonics. Yeah. But he should have been because that was the right pick. Looking with hindsight, I mean, in terms of talent, I mean that's you. You can't doubt that. But I could understand where maybe there were some concerns about you know what kind of influence he might have on a young impressionable team. Sure, I get that. I get that. He was so good though. Like, oh no doubt. We saw. I mean, you see Joakim Noah now, and it's like, oh man, what a horrible contract. But. There's a reason he got that horrible contract. Is that he was one of the best passing bigs. He was one of the best defenders. Um, he was incredible. I mean, he ran. There was a playoff series against Brooklyn several years ago that he ran the Bulls' offense basically, uh-huh. 
and was really, really good. Uh, but yep. he uh, is not that guy anymore. He is not, and that's unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, Joakim Noah is, is getting paid for those years where he was, what, what was he, fifth in MVP voting one year? Yeah, yeah, he was, which just sounds absurd. That didn't sound like a real thing. Uh, but that's true. That happened. Uh, from at Kyle Platt, he wants us to talk about this picture. So there's this picture of Billy Donovan floating around at the uh, Paul George fishing tournament thing. And he's wearing this shirt. Um, he is. It's the biggest fishing shirt I've maybe ever seen. Uh, it's totally white. I can't tell if there's a vest involved in there or if it's just the. Sh- it's really hard to see. There's so much fabric. Um, <laughs> it's so hard to tell what it is. Yeah. But uh, I'll retweet this so that you guys can see what I'm talking about. Um. But it's uh it it's it's not a good look. He he just looks like he represents every dad in America. He it looks like that he uh, normally wears a medium and he got a double extra large. Yes. Triple. Except yeah, except the sleeves are not like hanging off his hands or anything. Right. I know the uh, fishing shoots, shirts are bigger. Like I have a fishing shirt, not that I yeah. wear it all the time, but I have one <laughs> and it's bi- it's bigger. It fits bigger, but not like this. Yeah. Like this, the fabric that's in, I just can't even, I'm sorry. I just can't even really even tell what it is. That's an impressive shirt. Or I wonder if he got there and he was like, crap, I forgot my shirt. Hey, Paul, (laughs) Paul, do you have one I can borrow? Hey, Ennis, we have your shirt. Is there a towel? Is there a towel involved in the fabric? Is there one over his shoulder? I can't tell. I can't tell. Um, It it, it does kind of look like a towel. There's a towel over his left shoulder. Yeah. And... Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to uh, zapruder this uh, this photo here and let's we'll show it, show it to Billy on media day and be like, "Hey man, yeah. what's up with this?" Yeah, this is the only thing I came here to ask. Tell me about Why your shirt. Dave E U G Dave Ug asks. I was becoming comfortable with the quote-unquote internal development, that, but that changed, thankfully. How surprised would you be with another big move? I wouldn't. Um, and I, Brett Dawson talked about this on a recent pod with Tim Bontemps. I mean, it's hard right now to see what that move would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it would happen before the regular season or something that you wait until the season to see what opens up. But no, I, I absolutely believe this team would like to uh, add another a significant piece. Yeah. I mean, they know where they are in the West and in the league and they want to be competing for a championship. And if they can make that happen with another big move, they will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, really. I would say that anybody outside of Russ and Paul George are up for grabs. Um, to to make that happen, and they're gonna do what they can. Obviously, Stephen Adams would be another guy that you put on that list, but he's he's not on every list now. Like he he could be traded for something big. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is one that is interesting to me. I don't know that it propels them to a title contender, but it makes them interesting in the fact that they're they would have like nobody on their team next season if everything goes wrong and yeah. or they could resign and like that's a pretty great core so let me ask you this yeah so you, you mentioned that that's a great core um is that a super team in your opinion 
It's not. No. Russell, no. Paul, George, DeAndre Jordan. Is that? I mean, and not like in comparison to Golden State, or else nothing compares to them. <laughs> but. I mean, in, in terms of what we think of as a super team over the years, whether it's those Heatles or whether it's those Celtics, do you think that those three guys qualify as a quote-unquote super team? It's close, but I don't think DeAndre is like quite at the level of like the third star, like the Chris Bosh or the Ray Allen or those type of guys. Or Yeah, that's fair. That's um, fair. But he could be like the same level of player as like a Lamar Odom or Andrew Bynum, you know? Mm-hmm. With the Lakers, I mean, you would, you really, they had two guys, but people would try to make them like a big three with Bynum or with Odom. And he's, I think that he's probably, he's better than both those guys to me. Um, but his free throw shooting is a problem and it would be a problem for the team to have Dre and him on the court at the same time. It's a big problem for the Thunder. Now, maybe it would confuse the defense. Like, who are we supposed to foul again? Did That's you say right. Andre or DeAndre? I, I, I can't. Yes. I can't. Oh, God. All the Dre's. Foul a Dre. It would be hack a Dre is what it would turn yeah. into for the Thunder. Yeah. Just hack any it of the would. Dre's. You know, it's, it's interesting when Doc Rivers came to Los Angeles. I remember, you know, he talked about his big three of yeah. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. I remember, like, you know, audibly laughing, yeah, at that statement. But I mean, to Doc's credit, I mean, uh, DeAndre's turned out to be a lot better. He's good. Um, He's yeah. very good. I mean, the He's Thunder would be ecstatic if Stephen Adams got to that level of talent. Which means they may not even have to trade for DeAndre Jordan. I mean, they may already have him. Yeah, no, and that's and I've talked to people about this, and I'm like, I would wait till December. Like, if that trade is on the table, wait till December. Let's just see what does Stephen Adams look like with this new team. Yeah, like, is he is he performing at a level like a DeAndre? Like, if he's like ninety percent DeAndre, don't make the trade because you've already got him and you got him locked up. Um, or you or you might need Stephen Adams for an even bigger fish. Exactly. Yes. Um, whoever that is, Anthony Davis, come on down. <laughs> For example, <laughs> Anthony Davis would be incredible with these guys, but I, I didn't see Paul George happening, and I don't see that happening. But I don't see a lot of things. I'm that's right. I have a very limited scope. Um, in what I well, see. and some of it too is I mean, we just assume Boston is going to cash in all these assets at some point. We've been assuming. We've and been doing that thing where we assume. While, you know, while they keep, you know, waiting to see if they can find a better offer, you know, these other guys get, you know, taken out from under them. So, I mean, I would have I would have bet my house that they were going to get Jimmy Butler or um, Paul George this summer. Like they just like they should have been at the front of the line to get those guys. I uh, so it was it was on the 30th. It was the morning of the 30th. I filled in on the morning show with Mike Steely that morning. And before we went off air, Mike had asked me about various guys where they were going to wind up. And so he'd asked me about Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he was going back to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And, and that wound up happening. Asked me about Paul George. I said, I think he's going to be a Celtic. I mean, because that, that made mm-hmm. sense to me. Yeah, and me too. I was talking to did. Brett Dawson literally like four hours before the Paul George trade. Mm-hmm. And he sent me a text and he was like, I didn't realize how screwed the Thunder were. Like the Thunder <laughs> are so screwed. And I was like, yeah, man, like they're going to they're going to have to trade. They're going to have to either let go of Robertson or trade away Cantor for nothing so they can avoid the tax. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a painful summer. Like we were just we were just talking about how just screwed they were. 
And then like a few hours later, like that <laughs> goes down. It just happens. So, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just, you just don't know. We don't know. Yeah. We're just talking. We're just talking. Yeah. Me and John. That's right. Just friends right. talking about basketball. <laughs> uh, uh, you can follow my friend John Ham on Twitter at John M. Ham. Listen to him locally on the franchise. And if you uh, like to read things, dailythunder.com for John. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. Leave us a five star iTunes review. Uh, if you have a chance, I think we're almost to that nice round number of 200. So if you want to be the person that gives us 200, that would be wonderful. We're doing a uh, down to dunk trivia night, August 24th. You're going to keep hearing about it until August 24th. Uh, we're going to do trivia night at Anthem Brewing. It's going to be really fun. We're going to have some Thunder trivia, and then we'll have some weird Luke trivia. It's going to be very fun. There will be prizes there. There will be beer, and there will be fun. So come join us that night, and hope you guys have a great Wednesday. (laughs) 